We're all familiar with perfectly packaged success stories, but what about all the mistakes that led to successes along the way? Our Pen Reflections podcast, hosted by Seniors for the Pen Fund, features the personal stories of Penn alumni who found their career paths, however winding they may have been. My name is Emily Solomon. I'm a member of the class of 2021 and a co-chair for Seniors for the Pen Fund. In these monthly episodes, I'll take you along as we learn what work alumni put in that helped them secure their careers, how to surround yourself with people who believe in your dreams as much as you do, and how to know when to play it safe and when to take a leap of faith for something bigger and better. This month, in honor of Black History Month, we're highlighting the careers of Black Pen alums who forged a path for themselves. So, let's jump right in. Hello and welcome to all our Pen Reflections listeners today. We are so excited to have Michael Barrett on this week's episode. How are you doing today, Michael? I'm fine, Emily. Thank you for having me. Yes, yeah. And where are you tuning in from today, just for our listeners to know? I'm actually in the United States and in Dallas, Texas. That's wonderful, wonderful. It's great that we're able to connect virtually, even um, through the through Zoom, if it is the way we have to do it these days. So I'm excited to have you on the podcast today. So to give our listeners a little background on you before we begin, um, I wanted to provide a brief introduction. So Mr. Barrett graduated from the University of Pennsylvania with a bachelor's degree in engineering and applied science. He later earned an MBA from the University of Michigan. He's now Senior Vice President and Managing Director, Head of Global Legal Entity Transformation for Wells Fargo Bank, Corporate and Investment Banking International. Mr. Barrett serves on the Wells Fargo International Executive Committee and is responsible for leading the strategy, transformation, and execution of the global legal entity optimization for the Wells Fargo International business. Prior to joining corporate and investment banking, Mr. Barrett served as a managing director for Wells Fargo Commercial Capital, where he led business development, growth strategy, and new product introductions for the industrial uh, industrial finance business. At Penn, Mr. Barrett is a member of the Board of Trustees, the Alumni Board of Directors, and is the co-chair of the University of Pennsylvania James Brister Society. Mr. Barrett is the proud parent of three children, two of which are Penn students, Ashley, class of 2020, and Whitney, class of 2021, and Brandon. It's such an impressive resume, Mr. Barrett. We are just so excited to hear more about um, the ups and downs of your career path today. So if you want to just kick us off, you can tell us a little bit more about yourself, um, your Penn background, and, and what you're, you're currently doing right now. Sure, Emily, and thank you very much for the introduction. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, um, I graduated from Penn with a degree in engineering. I was a class of 89, so most recently, Mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, celebrated our 30-year class anniversary, which was terrific to get back to the university and see my classmates and and still engage with faculty members and and administration and staff. Um, And after graduation, I went and joined uh, the General Electric Company, which gave me a terrific opportunity to leverage that engineering degree into a fast-paced engineering and management development program where I had the opportunity to rotate into a number of different assignments around engineering, technology, manufacturing, and ultimately into product development and into quality and different types of roles in the company. And then, as you mentioned, I went back and got my, my degree, my MBA in, in finance, and, and soon thereafter joined GE Capital, 
and utilize that as an opportunity to uh, explore the world. I uh, joined GE Capital's international uh, business and uh, worked and lived in Europe and worked and lived in Australia and also wow. went to China and lived there. So I spent the better part of 11 years outside of the United States as part of my international experience, which is why when you asked me today earlier where I was dialing in from, I was dialing yeah. in from the United States because oftentimes I may be on a plane or maybe another part of the world. Um, but in terms of uh, most recently, I joined Wells Fargo and um, I am now on the Wells Fargo international side of that business and, and happy to lead a number of key strategic initiatives for the firm, um, really trying to drive the customer centricity around our footprint globally and really meet our client needs as we start to think about what we're doing from a commercial and a corporate and investment banking product portfolio outside the U.S., my Penn background is, uh, it varies in terms of a number of different volunteer leadership roles. As you mentioned, um, I'm on the board of trustees. I'm also very actively involved as part of the uh, alumni board of directors. Uh, I am the co-chair of the James Brister Society, which is an mm -hmm. alumni organization, a leadership organization for members of Penn alums of color. And uh, we are very inspired and, and open and, and, and excited about the things that we're able to do with our students that are currently there as, as undergrads and graduate students. And, um, and also, as you mentioned, Penn, Penn Parent. You know, I have the opportunity now yeah. to witness what my daughters have gone through and, and I sit on the Parent Leadership Council um, that's chaired by President Gutman. And it's an exciting opportunity to hear a lot about what's happening in the university and also to be able to kind of give President Gutman and the administration um, a voice from a parent perspective and what I hear and see from my kids that are experiencing the social life and the social aspects of being a student at the at the university. Wow, yeah, that is really great. It feels like um, from from all all um, spans of, of your your career, you've been able to still keep in touch um, with Penn and, and with your connections there. I'm curious, how did you get involved with the James Brister Society as you mentioned that um, and, and why why did you choose to get involved there? Well, you know, one was when I was overseas, um, one of the key things that kept me connected and kept me really that that touch back to to the United States and also back to the University of Pennsylvania was alumni relations. And uh, it, it provided me with the ability to be a part of alumni clubs in Australia and in China and in Europe. And I could be around like-minded people. I could be around people that uh, could share the similar experiences. So me living as an expat in these different parts of the world, I knew that I could always rely on my, my home, so to speak, being part of my, my experiences and time at Penn. And, and I could leverage that when I was in other parts of the world where I could be around other uh, classmates or other alums that had uh, also attended Penn. When I came back to the United States, in uh, 2010 is when I was introduced to the James Christian Society by Gil Kaseas, who at the time was one of the senior leaders within the society. And uh, it became really a, a rallying cry for me that it gave me an opportunity to give back in terms of my time um, and also mm -hmm. my energy around enhancing the experiences uh, for diverse students that were at Penn uh, currently. And that was something that was a critical a goal for me because I thought a lot about what I could do to kind of give back my time and 
give back my efforts. And it became clear that joining the society and being a part of a, of a group of 150 plus alums that are all energized and passionate about that would be something that I certainly wanted to do. And ultimately, it led to where I am today in terms of uh, being the co-chair of that society. Wow. Yeah, that is is really great. And also, I wanted to mention for the for the seniors that are listening to this episode today that um, it's really it's really exciting that this year we've been able to introduce new funds for seniors for the Penn Fund. Um, and one of the specific funds that you can give to is the James Brister Society. Um, and so that's why we were so excited to have yeah to have uh, Mr. Barrett talk more about that because um, it's one of the things that we encourage you to get involved with. Um, and it is really, really great to hear how it's been able to keep you involved all over all over the world. Um, and that that is something truly unique and exciting. But and, for, and Emily, if I could just if I could just yeah. weigh in on that, just yeah. to, to emphasize that, you know, for the students today, the seniors and uh, and those that are young alums, you know, we really have two ways that we raise uh, funds in the yeah. society. We, we as, uh, as alums, we always give to the university, whether that's our affiliation to our schools or to our affiliation to the different programs that we were involved in at the university. But through the James Brister Society, we have two ways. Number one is we have a, an endowed scholarship. And what we ask is we ask members and friends of the James Brister Society to, to give uh, donations, charitable donations to the endowed scholarship. And that allows us to provide funds to students at the University of Pennsylvania. We also have an emergency grant fund and we use that emergency grant fund and we work collectively with the alumni relations office and the student financial services office to really try and provide additional funding in the, in the, in the area of emergency dollars that can help close the gap on tuition, can help close the gap on room and board, can help close the, the gap on people really getting books and things like that, hardship opportunities for them to complete their degree. So the dollars that you contribute obviously are gonna go right back into helping students that are on campus today. And again, that's a, a big focus of ours in terms of why it's so important. So again, thanks again for everyone that uh, has the opportunity to think about that and give and, and make their contributions. Yeah, no, that is great. I'm so glad you you stepped in there and gave that like specific information I myself wasn't even aware of. And it's it's so cool to see the immediate impact um, and the lasting impact that that it can have. I um yeah, I didn't even realize that. So I I guess that while we're while we're um like on topic for uh, just giving back to Penn, um, I was curious of like why why you feel like you've made it a priority um, and and how you've seen just like that um, transform maybe throughout throughout your life and, and why it is um, something that you have given so much time um, and resources to today. Great question. And, and I think that uh, when I look back, it's uh, my experiences at Penn in the engineering school, um, you know, the, at that time, it was very difficult for uh, students of color. It was very yeah. difficult for people that were also athletes. It was difficult for, for uh, in an environmental perspective to try and really get through. And I wanted to make sure that if I could get through and I could compete and be able to make it from a career perspective, that my responsibility would be to come back to the university and give back in a, in a bigger way and try and make it easier and facilitate current students that are there today. So when I think yeah. about why I do this and why I give back, it's, it's, it's not just myself, 
it's my family, it's 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 part of the fabric of of my friends, my network within Penn. We all feel committed and passionate about our ability to 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 bring back and lift up, and uh, that's what we want to try and do. So I think that if if we can help our current students today at Penn, then the university is much better off. Our students are much better off, and then ultimately those students like yourself and others, then you'll come back and give back when you have the opportunity to do so as well. So we kind of pay it pay it, it forward in terms of giving back and reaching down and pulling people up. And that's the thought process around it. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a it's a great cycle, honestly, when you think about it. I mean, I'm, I'm the same way of like, I, I think back all the ways, like just um, financial aid or, or different things has helped me to be even, you know, a Penn senior um, place I am now. I'm like, wow, I want to I want to continue. Um, and so it's so cool to hear that it, it's continued for you even um, throughout your life. Uh, that's just amazing, amazing to hear. So switching gears a little bit. Um, I heard, you know, you talk a little bit about your um, like struggle during Penn, but um, I wanted to hear, so a big focus of this podcast is um, how not only focusing on your career successes, but maybe some of your uh, career failures. Um, so some, one of my favorite questions is um, just what do you see as one of your biggest failures and, and what did you learn from it? Um, it could be anywhere along your, along your path, um, but we'd just love to hear a little bit sure. more about that. No, great, great. Happy to share. And, you know, a lot of those, as I think about my, my, my failures, so to speak, it's been areas where I've made a bad decision. And I think to your point earlier, which is what did you learn from it? How yeah. did you, how did you reassess what you did and would you change or how could you change it and how could you learn from that? So one of them was um, when I was starting to work overseas, I left the United States and I went on my first assignment to Europe and I'm in banking. And one of the things that my company had decided we were going to do, and I had kind of led that charge, was creating kind of a pan-European strategy for financial services and leveraging the strength of the balance sheet of my company and the strength of the brand of my company is go into Europe and start to acquire small to medium-sized banks family-owned financial service companies, and then integrate them and create this, this, this large pan-European branded bank that could leverage the speed and technology and insights and, and data and analytics. And one insight that I, I, came, I came into that assignment was, I'm going to take this and do what we've done in the United States. Um, mm -hmm. Because we had successfully thought about doing that in the United States taking all the customer insights and developing a CRM platform, which is customer relationship management platform and translate that to Europe. Well, one of the things that I quickly realized is, you know, you cannot just take everything that you do in the United States and bring it over to another part of the world. Different yeah. cultures, different languages, different business methodologies, different regulatory environment, different currencies. So all of that, although it might've seemed fairly intuitive, when I got on the ground and I started to really meet with the regulatory bodies in these different countries and jurisdictions and talked about creating more of a pan-European strategy, it didn't really resonate. And it resonated with certain pockets of countries, but not everyone. And as a result, I realized that, you know, you have to think about, think locally, mm -hmm. think and act locally where you are. You have to be mindful of the compliance. You have to be mindful of the regulatory environment, but you have to think about who you're doing business with. You have to think about 
you know, stepping into the shoes of your clients and your customers. And that's something that to this day, and that happened 15, 16 years ago, to this day, I still think about that as I think about different opportunities of how I want to grow my businesses and how I want to lead specific initiatives. And um, it, it, it's something that I will always think about why I made that decision and how I had to pivot and ensure that we could recover from that from that decision. Yeah, yeah, no, that's really great. It's like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy to think how, um, yeah, just sometimes, even I thought of like, when I was studying abroad, um, just certain like even techniques that I studied abroad in Australia. So that's why I was happy to hear when you said you were also living there for some time, even like certain techniques I used when I was like studying at Penn, I'm like, it really doesn't translate, you know, like in, in this environment. And like, you have to, you kind of have to pivot and, and think on your feet there. And so I, yeah, no, I think that's a really, really great one. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Um, what is something one piece of advice you might give to someone who would want to like pursue a career similar to yours. I, I know you've had just such vast experience um, in, in banking and um, the like, and I'm, I'm curious that we probably have a lot of seniors listening in um, who want to pursue a, a career similar. And, and if you could offer just one piece of advice, what, what would you say? I would say, you know, go into starting your career with a, with a, a level of flexibility. And what I mean by that is, you could take on a role or an assignment that today you may not necessarily understand why you're doing that role, but think about the, the skill sets that you can experience, that you can garner from that role and how you can utilize that for future opportunities down the road. Think about how you can, you know, in the, in when I was coming up, if you wanted to do a career in finance, you could come in and take on different roles and audit and FP&A and, and other types of disciplines all within the finance track. But now there's a lot more flexibility. So when you think about a Penn student today and that interdisciplinary approach to the academic curriculum, a similar approach can be taken as your career. I started out as an engineer and because I had such a passion for numbers and I felt very comfortable working through the quantitative analysis, I then made a pivot to finance and then finance then became banking and then banking then became international banking. And that's ultimately how I, how I developed my career. But that flexibility of, of having being open and flexible to different career options, I think will be something that would be a great learning, uh, learning environment, learning tool that I think a lot of people can utilize today. You don't have to have all the answers at 21 or 22, for a yeah. 30 year career. <laughs> that's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that is really good. I, um, I'm curious, like practical, are there any like, uh, like resources or something you've read or listened to recently that, that inspired you or, or really helped you along the way? Well, you know, it's, um, I spend a lot of time reading about leadership. So mm -hmm. I read about a lot of, of company CEOs. I, I read about, um, how they lead people. I, I, le I read a lot about people that are, that are strong in terms of innovation, creativity, um, people that are able to think collectively around creating collaboration and the strength of collaboration. So those are the kind of things that I like to read and stay, and stay close to because ultimately I'm looking for those nuggets that I can then yeah. utilize to help me in terms of how I lead teams, how I lead projects, how I drive growth. But uh, what's interesting, is that I also read about those that have gotten to the top 
and those that have failed. So for example, mm -hmm. when you asked a question earlier about failures, I also try and read about companies that have done very well, and then over time they've lost their way. Or I read about leaders that have ascended to the top, and while they ascended to the top, they had to step over or on people to get there, and ultimately it came back to bite them. And that became wow. something that, again, I wanted to make sure that I understood those things because I think it's important to not just always think about the success, but think about, to your point earlier, the failures mm -hmm. and the lessons learned, because I think you can be just as strong as a leader when you know what your strengths are, but where your, your development area areas are as well, and then being able to overcome those. Yeah, no, that is that is so true. I'm, I, um, I'm wondering also, you mentioned just like, um, you are passionate about learning about leadership and um, you've been, you read books about it. Is there anyone um, you feel like in your life, do you feel that has been a mentor to you in that way? And if you could just talk about maybe three people that have been like most influential to you and in giving you those nuggets of wisdom, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, if you could just tell us about them and how they inspired you. Sure, absolutely. I, I think first and foremost, it starts with my father. You know, my mm -hmm. father was an engineer by, by training um, and he had a big influence on me. So when I matriculated to Penn, engineering became the, 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 the natural transition from high school to, to college. Uh, so he had a big influence on me and, and always emphasized academics and tried to help me prioritize how I thought about academics and thinking about graduate school and thinking about a career and thinking about the, the flexibility of when to start a family and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I also think about um, leaders in business and um, Jim Cash comes to mind. James Cash, who was a, um, a, a member of the uh, Harvard MBA uh, school in terms of faculty member there and ran the MBA program for several years. He was also on the board of directors of the General Electric Company. He, he has been a mentor for me for many years. And, um, you know, he gave me a lot of insights around leadership, but he also gave me a lot of that tough love in terms of understanding, you know, challenged me to think more creatively, challenged me to think around, uh, think ar around outside the box and think around corners and, and really try to understand, as I mentioned before, what you have in front of you today and what that could look like going forward. And, um, and he, he, he asked me to think about taking risks. You know, I remember the time when I had an opportunity uh, to come back to the United States after working overseas for four and a half years at that time between Europe and Australia. I had an opportunity to go back to the United States and, and there was this unique opportunity to go to China and, um, and start a business up in, in banking and financial services. And I really never, and I didn't really think that that was a good career move for me from a trajectory perspective. And he spent a lot of time with me over the phone, talking to me and challenging me and asking me to think about taking risks and raising my hand and volunteering for a job that nobody wanted to do. And I took that job. I went in. It was a lot of heavy lifting. I ultimately became the CEO of that business. Wow. And I think I learned so much about myself personally and as an individual and ultimately as a leader as well that uh, I cherish that, 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 um, that decision. And then ultimately, I think one of the other influential people for me has been, and I mentioned to him, I mentioned his name earlier, Gil Casayas from, from Penn. I mean, he mm -hmm. is a Penn Law graduate. He is a Penn Board of Trustee Emeriti. 
uh, emeritus, and he is also a former co-chair of the James Brister Society. And he's been very influential to me as well in terms of how to drive influence and how to drive things with impact and how to really navigate through the system of the university in terms of being able to try and, and really help students and really try and drive a mission and ultimately try and, 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 and ensure that we can collaborate and bring people together and drive innovation and, and make sure that we're an inclusive organization. So I look at those three people as being influential to me and, and um, I'm glad that I've had the opportunity to experience and be around them uh, for such a long time. Wow. Yeah, they sound like um, just amazing, amazing men that have been able to really just pour pour into you and, and um, give you amazing, amazing advice throughout throughout your life. Um, I, I want to be I want to be cognizant of your time. So I did have I, two last questions. Um, one maybe is both of them are a little quick, uh, quicker than the last ones. But um, so one, if if there's any way that our listeners could connect with you online and maybe you know utilize you as a as a mentor um, or just someone to just connect with or learn more about James Brister Society, what would be the best way for our listeners to to connect with you? Sure. So you know the alumni relations site is up. My pen is up, uh, which yeah. was formerly the pen key. Uh, you can go in there. You can search my name, uh, Michael Barrett. It'll show my class profile. It'll show all the different activities I'm in, but it'll also show my, show my telephone number. It'll show my email address, how yeah. to contact me. I'm also, as, as I mentioned earlier, a trustee of the university. So all of that information, my contact details are available through the secretary's office or through the online, uh, on uh, the, uh, the Penn website. So happy to hear from anyone and, and happy to provide you any types of insight or perspective. And like I've said to a number of other students that I, that I interact with today is, you know, I've been there at the university now coming uh -huh. up on 30 plus years. And I'm happy to share insights, but also if I don't know the answer, I can hopefully try and find out the answer or put you in contact with somebody that may know the answer. Yeah, yeah, no, that that is great. And I, uh, my one last question is is um, for one parting fun piece of advice or, or whatever you would say, what is one thing that you think like all Penn seniors should experience before they graduate? We have a couple months left and, and is there anything that you really feel like you loved um, about your time at Penn? You know, what I would say there is, is I continue to still learn about Penn even to this day, but I would yeah. say to the extent that we can do this in this environment is yeah. explore the campus, tour the campus, you know, get into places that you ordinarily wouldn't be as a Penn student, or if you're a student in the College of Arts and Sciences, go down to Huntsman Hall or go down to the, to the town building in the School of Engineering or explore the Penn Museum fantastic artwork down there. Yeah. Go look at the Annenberg School of Communications. Go take on um, the ability to engage with classmates that are in the performing arts. There's so much rich content that happens there. Um, go visit the Kelly Writers House. Go see what goes on in the, in the, uh, the Perry World Center. Um, so the campus itself and the ability to explore everything that's happening in and around the university Penn Medicine, if you go see what's happening down at Penn Medicine today, yeah. you'd be blown away at the amount of development, infrastructure, research, science, technology, innovation. You know, we're talking about this global pandemic. 
and I get proud every time I turn on the television and I see an interview and I see somebody contributing to that storyline or somebody that's contributed to uh, hopefully a vaccine that has come from the University of Pennsylvania and Penn Medicine. So that's inspiring to me. And I think that uh, all Penn seniors should graduate with an opportunity to take on and, and take in as much as the university has to offer, because I do believe it's an extraordinarily place. It's a place that really thrives on innovation and technology, and we're doing a lot of great things. And I think that you as seniors, the one message I would also bring is you as seniors are getting ready to leave the university and you're gonna become an advocate for the university. You're gonna become yeah. a showpiece and you're gonna become part of the Penn alumni community. And I'm hoping that you'll stay engaged and that you'll continue to give back. You'll continue to come back, you know, come back for your class anniversaries, be part of an alumni organization. I hope all of you would wanna become part of the James Brewster Society or any other alumni organization. Cause I think the strength of the university continues to be the strength of our alumni base as well. Yeah, no, that is so, so inspiring and, and so true. I, I'm so thankful that you were able to be a guest on this podcast because it's just, it's so evident how you've really made giving back to Penn a priority and, and utilizing Penn and its connections and, and the people that you meet um, to, the, to its fullest uh, potential. And I, I really, really admire that. And I'm so glad that all our listeners were able to just hear more nuggets of wisdom from you, um, whether it's about how to be a better leader um, and always just looking for ways to grow in, in, in whatever field that you're in. So thank you so much for all the, the wisdom that you've shared today. And um, I really look forward to our, our listeners to be able to hear this, this great episode. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Emily, and, and thank you for the time and congratulations yourself as being a, a Penn senior. You're almost over the line. <laughs> yeah. So congratulations to you and all your classmates and uh, go Penn. Thank you. Yes, go Penn. Thank you so much for listening to Penn Reflections, hosted by Seniors for the Penn Fund. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you'd like to make a lasting impact for Penn undergraduates, you can make a gift on our website at pennfund.upenn.edu slash give. Make sure to tune in next month to hear more advice from our amazing alum. See you next time.